it's a good start to the season. It, it doesn't sometimes doesn't feel like the the fall events feel like the same season, but uh, it is always nice knowing that you have um, you know a couple between Napa and and um, and Korea, and then you know an okay week in, in Japan to have a good start in the in the FedEx Cup year-long race. But uh, no, I've been playing well this year. I've been working really hard since I, I came back, you know, from the month, month and a half or so injury last year and felt like I was training in the right direction. So glad to finally see some good results. And I know how competitive you are. Uh, you come into the week, a uh, couple straight top 10 finishes at this event, but I know last year stung a little bit. First time in your career, you'd failed to carry a 54 hole lead onto victory. What did you learn from that? And what do you hope to uh, redeem this week? Yeah, it was a freaky day. I mean, I, you know, it's easy to, to make excuses or look at this or that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, JB beat me. He played really, really well on a very, very difficult day. Um, you know, it was just one of those weird days where I couldn't get anything going. And, unfortunately, I uh, wasn't hitting it very well on my Saturday round. To, and f because we had to keep going, I just had to keep trying to find something. And it's tough to do uh, when it's blowing 25 or 30 miles an hour. And um, I hung in there for for what I had that day. It just wasn't quite good enough, but it was a great learning experience. And, um, you know, I feel pretty confident that if I have another lead that um, that I won't do that again. All right, thank you, sir. We'll start with questions. Let's go to Doug, and then we'll go to Ryan. A couple of them related. Would you like to come to this tournament and not be stuck with Tiger the first two rounds? I don't care. It's fine. I mean, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I've had some good rounds with him. I'm, I'm very, very comfortable around him. Um, you know, I think maybe playing with him at a you know, at a, at a Masters or Phoenix or something else would be a little different. It's uh, that would be a little more chaotic than uh, than here. Would you? I, I tend to recall you talking about this once. Um, I'm not trying to put you guys in the same league as as Jack and Arnie, but they, they used to talk about how they'd get so wrapped up in trying to trying to beat each other mm -hmm. that they'd forget about the tournament. Can you relate to that based on the Bahamas? Yeah, absolutely. Um, since we've talked about this, thank you for telling everybody that. Now, Doug. Uh, I'm just kidding, but I did. I, I I think I had an eagle putt on 11 to take the lead or maybe tie the lead, and um, and Tiger was one or two back, and I think I just and we were probably three four holes ahead of the leader. So um, you know, at, at Bahamas, there's a lot of easy holes out there, especially that that um, 10 and 11, and then. 12 through 15 really uh, are all birdie holes so being where I was I should have been more worried about the field and I wasn't I just was trying to beat Tiger so bad because I felt like if I obviously I had to beat him to win the tournament and um, you know and then he kind of stalled and then I kind of stalled with him and then had a bad finish on 18 and I felt like I, I, I was really really pissed after that event I felt like I should have won that tournament um, handily and uh I didn't because I didn't handle the situation very well, and um, but I learned from it. Yep, go ahead. I think sometimes there's a feeling out there in general golfing public that guys like you and, and Rick, who have been so comfortable around Tiger and want to see him do well, uh, don't have the moxie to actually go out and beat him, <coughs> where it sounds like that's, that's just the opposite. I wonder mm -hmm. if you could speak to the difference of rooting for someone and as, as, as place in the game and trying to beat his brains out. Yeah, I mean, the only time I'm physically rooting for someone is when I'm in the clubhouse and I'm done and they're out there playing and have a chance to win. Um, 
I mean, it doesn't matter how close I am with someone. I want to beat them so bad that they want to quit golf. Uh, I don't care if it's Tiger, if it's Jordan, if it's Ricky, if it's whatever, uh, if it's Jack Nicklaus. I don't, I don't care. I, I'm out here to beat everybody. That's what I'm trying to do. And, um, yeah, so that, that was just a, that was a weird day. But obviously that's not going to happen out here in terms of, of beating someone that bad. But, uh, yeah, the only time I'm really truly pulling for somebody is um, is when I no, no longer have a chance, and, and they do. All right, let's go right down the line. Ryan, Mike, and Jeff. How, how often have you felt like you've totally demoralized your opponent when you step off 18? Um, that's a tricky question. Uh, I mean, not nothing particular. Step, uh, a couple times in junior golf, I remember, I felt like I kind of out-intimidated a couple people. But, I mean, I, I don't think I really intimidate anybody out here. I hope I do. That That's a huge compliment if I do. But um, I just don't know if anybody with my stature could be intimidating no matter how good I am at golf. So uh, that's just how I feel personally. But, I mean, there, there's times where I've felt pretty good about what I've done. But um, nothing nothing comes to mind, really. Along the same lines that, that Doug was talking about, your, your head-to-head record against Tiger is – exceptional especially compared to some of your peers what do you think it is a, about yourself that allows you to to shine in that arena I don't know I mean it, first off I would like to just hope that it's because I'm good at golf you know not necessarily who I'm with but it is it just sometimes when you're in at least for me when I'm in a scenario like that um, although Tiger is is you know a good buddy of mine or a good friend of mine I it's a little different than maybe playing with Ricky, who is also a really good friend of mine, but Ricky and I are probably talking more than Tiger and I am, if that makes sense. So I'm able to maybe stay a little bit more focused. Uh, there's a lot more people, there's a lot more stuff going on where I have to stay a lot more focused in that sense. Um, I don't know, it, it doesn't, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I know that I have had some really, really good rounds of golf with him and um, you know, hope to have some more. Mike, Jeff, and then Bob. Uh, John mentioned your top tens here. Do you get any satisfaction out of a top ten finish if it's not a victory? For sure. I mean, Phoenix is a perfect example. Uh, I I did not play very well at Phoenix. I mean, I I drove it very average. My iron game, I felt like for me, was poor, um, and I putted okay. Um, I, I chipped it well, but I putted okay and. I just kind of I finally found something and a little bit of a groove on Sunday and made some birdies to, to finish third and um, I feel like that to me is I mean obviously I would rather play really well and win but I can get more out of a week like that because I was really close to winning the tournament with I feel like was my C game um, and that's that it, that to me can build more confidence sometimes than playing really well because it's harder to learn something from it whereas when I don't have it, I, I kind of figure out how to get around a golf course and how to score and how to manage my game better. And when you put together your list of goals going into the season, is, is top tens one of those generally or not? It has been. It, it has and hasn't. It's, um, I guess it just kind of depends. Right, Jeff and Bob. So based on what you were saying earlier, it sounds like, because there, there was a little bit of a narrative that after this tournament, uh, you struggled with not holding that lead. We've been a little spoiled by how well you've done with leads. So was was sort of the trajectory of your year more determined by your, your wrist, your health, than, than than this tournament last year? Is that fair to say? 
Uh, you mean just in... Well, yeah, kind of a, after this event, mm -hmm. there was kind of a sense that you had, uh, losing the lead, it may have damaged your confidence. It sounds like the way you described it, it was just kind of a tough situation with the weather and just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I I truly do feel that way. It just was, I I just didn't have the, the, I felt like if I just could have had 20 minutes on the range or 30, I remember I had 17 minutes from when I signed my scorecard to when I teed off and I needed to eat lunch. Yeah. So I was... My dad was like, you wanna go hit balls? And I'm like, I don't physically think I can make it down that hill and back up. So um, I just remember thinking like, man, I just would love 10 or 15 minutes just to figure something out. Um, but I, I'm, I'm pretty good at that, at finding something on the course. But when it's that windy, you don't exactly know what the ball's doing sometimes. Um, but I just, I made a couple of mistakes. I mean, if I just would've chipped it, chipped it better and putted it a little bit better, I would've been fine. Um, but I mean, I, I just, I remember I had some nasty lip outs, some really slow lip outs, had a couple wind gusts. Um, but I mean, you know, if I, I made a great, I remember I made a great par on 15, made a great birdie on 16 and had good looks on 17, 18. So it was, it was good after all that. I struggled throughout the first 14 holes of the day that I was able to kind of compose myself and play the last four holes well. And one other thing, Rory was just in here and he talked about the 10th hole and uh, scoring average was three tenths different if you lay up versus drive it so he's going by that number how much are you looking at those kinds of numbers these days in terms of your assessment of a course and your strategy and attacking it uh, I don't personally I've, I've always laid up on that hole uh, I'll go for it to that front pin but um, I've laid up ever since I've been on tour and I've, I mean I the way I look at it is if I make I try to make par on the hole uh, and if I happen to make one birdie then I beat the field for the week I would think so it's just it's a shot shape or the green shape is good for my wedge my spin that I have on it with the left right spin and uh, I mean I've hit anything from four to six iron off the tee just kind of up that left side of the fairway and it's not a very hard wedge shot as long as you can just get your number right so um, that's just how I've always looked at it I've never really looked at the numbers because my miss with the three wood uh, or sometimes drivers right and right's no good up there so I'm just trying to make four and maybe sprinkle in a three or two all right let's go to Bob Justin, do you, do you recall last year at the Masters when you finished, obviously you were several groups ahead of Tiger. Was there a point after you signed your card and you composed yourself or maybe back in the locker room when you were able to look up and realize he might win? And did you, you recall what you thought at that point and, and, uh, and maybe just your reaction in the aftermath? Obviously there was that great scene, your dad mm -hmm. gave him the high five coming down and everything, but I'm just curious if you can recall that s sequence. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I remember I was inside eating lunch uh, just because of how early we played on Sunday with the timing. I mean, usually you're, you know, if you're playing the last, if you're in the top 15 or so, you know, you're finishing around five, six o'clock. And um, so I was in there eating, I was in the little dining area eating lunch. And I think he was on, maybe it just made birdie on 15. And then uh, once he hit his tee shot on 16 and made that putt, it was kind of like, wow, like he, he's gonna win this then thing I think and uh, then after the but still just had to kind of wait till see what Brooks was doing and then after that putt after he missed that putt and made par um, at that point it was it was over so that's when it kind of set in and it was like wow this is uh, this is actually happening this is unbelievable all right let's go to Phil in the back Justin just um, picking up on your comment there about the 10th hole here the the golf course here is very special and I think a lot of people mm -hmm. acknowledge that old George Thomas design 
are there many power fours throughout the tournament, uh, PGA Tour season, where you see yourself hitting six iron off the tee with your game? No, the only one I could think of is 12 at Sawgrass uh, a couple years ago, right when they first redid it. Um, the green was very, very extreme, and it, it was just, uh, it was a little too penal, and I felt like it wasn't, for me, it just didn't make sense to go for it. I remember I laid, I remember I laid up with a seven iron, because I remember I missed the fairway with a seven iron, but, because um, it's not a long hole, but it just wasn't a good number and a good shot shape for me, so I laid up there, but other than that, uh, taking out Australia, uh, no, I haven't hit a hole, or, or the Open, I haven't hit a whole lot of six irons laying up off tees. And, and maybe just to follow up, this golf course, the entire golf course, not just one hole in particular, and your game, what is it about this golf course you think that needs to be executed well to have success? Uh, it's, it's a ball striking course. I, I think it, that's, that's why I've played it well. I mean, it's a strength of my game, but you, you just have to have control of your ball. And even, you know, you're going to have, you know, maybe one day, maybe two or three where you don't have it. And even if you're not hitting it well, you at least need to know what direction it's going or, or at least can hit it in one direction because on this course, if you get on the wrong side of the hole or the wrong side of the green, um, it virtually becomes impossible to get up and down and and just trying to make those four to 12 footers all day on these Poana greens is just, it's it's not gonna happen. Um, it, it's very, very tough to scramble out here. Um, the greens get, get bumpy, all Poana does, and uh, just about trying to, you know, salvage as much as you can. Well, let's take a couple more, let's go to Mike. Uh, Tiger was in here yesterday and talking about the President's Cup. Uh, he said, uh, and I'm quoting here, that he carried, he carried an ass. Yeah. <laughs> Just wonder if you had a response. No, I mean he he played. He did. He played way better than I did. But I told him last night. I was like, all I know is if I didn't make a putt, you would have uh, another. You'd have a one next year half column. So you're welcome for that. But that's that's what he does. That's that's why we're friends. Is we can joke with each other like that. But uh, he did. He carried my ass. If you listen to the wind, you can hear it. That's Ireland calling you home. Home to the greatest Lynx golf courses in the world, defined by soaring dunes, undulating fairways, venerable bunkers, and whimsical green complexes. From Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland, site to the 2019 Open Championship, to Ballyliffin, La Hinch, and Ballybunion, numbering among the Lynx golf masterpieces awaiting your golfing sojourn. Come home to Ireland and enjoy the most incredible golf experience of your life. Get started at Ireland.com. It screams, it tracks, it's soft, it reacts, it is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B, the Tour Ball Reinvented. FootJoy, the number one outbrand in golf, ensures that you can make every day playable with performance gear to handle any weather condition. All FootJoy products are designed to provide the best golfing experience regardless of the conditions. Every piece of FootJoy gear goes through years of testing and validation to ensure the ultimate in golf performance. Trust the brand that has been number one forever. Learn how you can make every day playable at FootJoy.com M-E-D-P. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there is something for everyone. 
from Kids Fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. Your game deserves the best of technology. Your game deserves being custom fit for the clubs that you play. Your game deserves getting the best technology at the best value. Tour Edge has it all. They build the product in the United States. They back it by a lifetime warranty. Think about that for a second. TourEdge.com to check them out. Why do you think players at the PGA Tour Champions have checked them out of the likes of Scott McCarron and Tom Lehman? Because the technology works. Check out Tour Edge today. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com and take in all the splendor that is a golf experience unlike any other. It's time for you to discover Streamsong, a new kind of resort that takes the everyday ordinary to the absolutely extraordinary. Three internationally acclaimed link-style courses by golf architecture's iconic foursome of Gil Hans, Tom Dope, Bill Kaur, and Ben Crenshaw that provide a golf experience distinguished as unlike any you've ever had before, with undulating fairways navigating through wild grasses and deep water ponds and lakes, towering sand dunes to find the unexpected experience of playing golf at Streamsong, the ultimate legendary golf destination set apart by the unexpected. Streamsongresort.com. FootJoy, the number one outer brand in golf, ensures that you can make everyday playable with rain jackets for all weather conditions. New to the FJ Performance Outwear lineup this year is the all-new DryJoy Select LS, the lightest, most waterproof garment FJ has ever produced, setting a new standard in rainwear. Amazingly, it's actually lighter than a golf shirt, but still fully waterproof. You can shop now at FootJoy.com M-E-D-P. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. BenHoganGolf.com is where you can go to see the beautiful product that's being produced right now, bearing the name of the legend. You know, when he founded the original company in 1953, Ben Hogan said he did it, quote, to design and manufacture the best golf clubs in the world. 
end quote. And that is exactly what their mantra is today. Only it's going directly to you, not the retail stores. So they're saving that 40%, 50% retail markup. You can get the best and you can get it directly from their master craftsmen. Log on to BenHoganGolf.com now. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. Hey, my new book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars we call their finest moments. Moments like this. The 1973 U.S. Open. Here's Johnny Miller. He got a letter also on Saturday morning and said, you're going to win the U.S. Open from some guy in Iowa. And I had never got a, a letter that that's all it was. They didn't sign it, nothing. It was just from Iowa. You're going to win the U.S. Open. So it was sort of an interesting experience that led up to that uh, winning that Open. Uh, and, and the round itself was sort of out of nowhere because it just was a, a perfect round of golf. I mean, it literally was a perfect round of golf. The book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. I hope you enjoy it. You can pick it up wherever fine books are sold, including barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com.